Let's get started. So, we began learning how there is a, a relationship between the event of the giving of the Torah and the passing of the Baal Shemta and the passing of David HaMelech that all occurred on the same day. And the Talmud says, that a day which is meritorious, because it has this, this merit, so other things are are naturally, or supernaturally rather, brought to happen on that day. So there's something about the giving of the Torah that began then, that was later developed more by King David, and further by Vashemtev. There is more than one talk of the Rebbe on the subject, but in what we're learning so far, uh, the Rebbe says that what was unique about the giving of the Torah is that when Hashem gave us the Torah, there was a revelation of Hashem in all of existence, and everything was quiet, everything felt at the time Hashem gave us the Torah, there's nothing besides Hashem, and although that revelation stopped, but that did have an effect on all of creation to the extent that it became possible after Har Sinai, after that event, to do a mitzvah and to bring Hashem's holiness to the world. So a mitzvah wasn't possible before. Av and Mitzvah and Yaakov, although they were great tzaddikim, they were not able to uh, bring holiness to the physical world the way that we can. And uh, although they began the process and prepared for it, but they didn't really um, have the ability to bring holiness that should stay in a physical object. And after giving the Torah, it became possible to do a mitzvah. So what, what, what changed things was this revelation Hashem gave us in our Sinai. The revelation is what was, was the game changer. So Hashem describes in the Medrash what, he, what, he, what happened at, at Mount Sinai. And the way he describes it is there was a decree between, Hashem made a decree to separate the higher worlds and lower worlds. And then Hashem annulled the decree. And Hashem said, I will go down to Mount Sinai first. And then I will be, the higher worlds will descend to the lower worlds and I'll make the first move. And then the lower worlds will send to the higher worlds. Moshe Rabbeinu will send to Har Sinai. That's what happened chronologically. But Hashem, in describing this in the Medrash, it says the first thing that happens is that the lower worlds are sent to the higher worlds. The reason why it's said that way, even though that's not what actually happened, uh, the first thing that happened was the revelation of Hashem. But the reason Hashem said the, the second thing first, Hashem first spoke about the revelation of, of Hashem in the world first, is because, sorry, mention the elevation of the world, the elevation of the earth towards heaven first, mention that because that's the goal. The whole purpose of the revelation was to facilitate this, this, uh, this revelation. So the, the elevation of the world, that the world becomes a vessel for Hashem's light and the world becomes a place of holiness, uh, that the possibility started then, but through David HaMelech, it really became perfected. How is it perfected through David HaMelech? So there's a couple of things about David HaMelech that were introduced in the time of David that did not exist before. First of all, David HaMelech was the first king over all the Jewish people. I know what Ari is going to right away thinking about. Uh, Meisha Rabbeinu, Maimonides says that Meisha Rabbeinu was a king. Uh, okay, but David HaMelech was, was the first monarch that of the dynasty of King David, which is eternal. So it wasn't all the Jewish people. David was the first in all the Jewish people. Second of all, um, David and Melch built the base of English. 
David Melch made the preparations for it, and uh, the actual building of the Mikdash was to show. So we actually mentioned last time we were learning how David Melch, he was the seventh in his family, and like Moshe Rabbeinu was the seventh from Avraham. Uh, so Moshe was beloved, he brought the Shekhinah to be revealed in this world, so David Melch also did a similar thing, but more than that, David Melch was a 14th generation from Avraham, and Shlomo Melch was a 15th. So the 15th generation brought the uh, building of the Beis HaMikdash. 15 is significant because all of our holidays are associated with number 15, because the moon is full on the 15th of the month, and the Jewish people are compared to the moon, so the full light of the Jewish people is there, revealed, on the 15th of every month, and so, so to Shlomo Melech, who is the 15th generation, he's the one who builds the Beis HaMikdash. It's built already by Shlomo Melech, the first Beis HaMikdash. We're waiting. We want it to happen today. What do you mean? But what's those? What are? The, why are those two things um, re- relevant to this theme of elevating the world towards Hashem? So the idea of a, of a monarch, of a king, isn't just something about governance. The king is the one who leads the people out into battle, and he's the one who decides the agenda of of the fina- finances of the of the country or the. Uh, the medical system of the country, the king is called by Maimonides the heart of the Jewish people. And the obedience that people have to the king is very different to the kind of obedience we need to have towards all other matters in Torah. In all other matters of Torah, there is a difference, there's a distinction between what kind of thing Hashem asks us to do vis-a-vis the severity of, the, of not doing it or doing it. If you uh, decide to skip a few pages in davening, you don't get, you don't get the death penalty. Uh, if you decide not to have kavana in davening, you also don't get the death penalty. But if you, the king asks you to do something, you don't do it, you get the death penalty. And the reason for that is because, as Maimonides says, the king is called the heart of the Jewish people. Their existence depends upon him. How, why does their existence depend upon him? They exist, and their existence depends upon Hashem. So, the Tzermach explains that the whole reason Hashem gave us this mitzvah of a king, our intent in having a king wasn't uh, for, for good reasons, as that's why Shmuel rebuked us when we asked for a king. We just wanted to be like everybody else. So we want to have a king, so we should be all the, like all the nations. But then there's a mitzvah in the territory to have a king. And Tzermach says, what's the point of having a human king? The point is, the king is supposed to be a perfect tzaddik. And by him being a perfect tzaddik, and him being the representative of Hashem's kingdom on earth, that causes your, um, your relationship to Hashem to be so much more real and so much more down to earth and so much more vivid and palpable and, and, and uh, uh, vibrant. Because you your existence certainly depends upon Hashem keeping you alive, and the king is the one who transmits to you the will of Hashem. He's the one who is telling you what Hashem wants you to do. So... That's why when the king asks you to do something, there's no difference between whether or not um, the kind of thing he's asking for is important or not important. Because the, the king is... It reminds me of the, of the way um, the Rebbe describes the, um, uh, a prophecy. That also regarding a prophet, if a prophet tells you, Hashem says you should have a cup of water, you don't have a cup of water, get the death penalty. Why get the death penalty? It's <laughs> just, just a cup of water. If you would ask the prophet, is it so important? You say, it's not so important, but Hashem said you should do this. The reason why you got the death penalty is because in the prophet telling you to, to have a cup of water, 
you are, it's not like you're reading in a book the will of Hashem. You're hearing a direct message. Hashem gave you a DM. A DM message is stronger than a, uh, a message in a chat. Teira is Hashem's message to us in a global chat. So it's not like he's, uh, he's directly asking you. He is directly asking you, but it doesn't seem as direct. And therefore, there's not, therefore the kind of, the, re- the reason why there is death penalty for various Averis is not because of the, because you're disobeying the king of all kings. The reason is because of the severity of the specific crime that was done. But, but when you go against the words of a prophet, since a prophet is telling you directly the word of Hashem, therefore there is a, 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 a uh, it's severe, it's like they're going directly against Hashem. In a similar way, because the king is representation of the will of Hashem on the earth, so just like your existence depends upon Hashem, so your existence depends upon the human king who is representing the will of Hashem. And therefore when you go against the king, you're going, you're, you're going against your very existence. And therefore you can't, you can't, therefore you get death penalty. So that means that before there was a monarch, we had ourselves, and Hashem gave us his will, and Hashem's will was something which was superimposed upon us. There was, we first exist, and Hashem has things he tells us, he has his likes and dislikes, those are his mitzvahs and his averis, and he tells us this is what I like, this is what I don't like, and, and, I want, and, and there wasn't such a gravity to, to obeying or disobeying what Hashem said to do. Depends on what it is, what it was that Hashem said to do. But once Hashem introduced the Jewish people, the idea of a monarch, the idea of a king, so now the relationship to Hashem, the relationship to, to uh, the king, takes on this whole new immediacy. It's a, it's the, whole, the whole Torah became a lot more harder and faster. There is a human being who is telling you the will of Hashem, and you have to do the will of Hashem. And he is representing the will of Hashem, and he governs the country. It makes all of Yiddishkeit so much more real and alive. And that's why the, the King David, he took this idea of the lower world, sent to the higher world, to a new level. He took it to a perfect level, where the world itself, it's not just Hashem gave us this revelation from on high and nothing to do with us, but it became our natural reality is keep the Torah, and, and that's your life. Your life is Torah. King David, by, by Jewish people having a king, it made Torah not just become something that we do, but Torah becoming our very life itself. And that's also related to the, the other thing that King David did. He made the preparation for the building of the base of Migdash. Although we had a base of Migdash, we had a Mishkan, a temp- temporary tabernacle, we were traveling in the desert, but first of all, it was temporary, and didn't permeate the space that it was on. But the base of Migdash, the temple, Become a permanent space for Hashem, and not just a permanent space, but there's an argument between Nachmanis and, and, and Maimonides about exactly how God's holiness rests in the temple. One opinion is that, as the way Chassidus describes it, it's so, sort of like the way information is transferred from your mind to your hands, where your hands do have some information from your head. But it's not that your hand itself thinks. It's just like it passes through your hand. The verses, the way information, the way your intellect uh, is housed in your physical brain. There the brain itself, the physical brain is your mind. Your brain is your mind. Your brain is what thinks. So in a similar way, there's a discussion about the holiness of Hashem and the Beis HaMikdash. Did it become part and parcel of the physical thing that the physical walls and stones and roof and floor of the base of Mikdash, or was it just something that, that passed through it? So 
the uh, the Rambam says that the place itself becomes holy. Interestingly, um, it, it, there was a concept also by the Mishkan um, of the earth. The Torah in this week's parasha, Rashi Nasi, talks about how uh, the the Saita, um, in, in the process take from the floor of the Mishkan. So the floor of the Mishkan, although it doesn't remain holy, there's still some significance there. It's like Mount Sinai itself, that while the revelation was happening, it was considered holy. But what was unique about the give of the of, of the uh, the Beis Hamikdash, it caused permanent holiness, holiness to that spot. To the extent that even after it's destroyed, it still remains, it still has that same exact holiness as it had before. It still it still has well, not exactly the same, but it has some. The kedusha still remains. The physical space became holy by virtue of Hashem's light resting there. So we have now these two different um, kinds of convergence between the higher worlds and lower worlds. We have the, the first kind, which was revelation of Hashem at Mount Sinai itself, which was amazing. You saw Hashem's presence in a very vivid and, and amazing way. And then we have King David, who brought Hashem's reality to be our own reality. You have a space in the world you can go to to see Hashem. You can see Hashem's miracles. Yeah, you want to see Hashem? The, the miracles happen over there. You, you, want to, you want to touch Hashem's Kedusha? There's Kedusha in those stones. So that caused a perfect ascent of the physical world towards heaven so that the physical world itself became holy. That's, so those are the two models of this relationship, of this convergence from above to below, from the higher world ascending to the lower worlds. That happened at Sinai. And then there's from below to above, the world is sending toward, towards Hashem, and that happens through King David, and that happens through having a Jewish king and having a, a physical temple. But the perfect model is to have both, because um, because there's an advantage in each. Uh, it says about the uh, Beis Hamikdash that. Uh, that there's two stones, Shoyam and Yishvei. One stone is a bright stone, like a, a, a blinding stone. And one stone has a more of a pleasant light. And it says, Mashiach will come, you need to have both of those stones, Shoyam and Yishvei. Why? Because Mashiach's coming is about both things happening. Mashiach's coming is about there being an incredible light of Hashem, something higher than the world coming to the world. And at the same time, not, not only should this thing which is otherworldly come to the world, but it should be something which is part and parcel of our experience. It should become us. It should become the way we actually look at the world. So that's only going to happen when Mashiach will come. But when Hashem gave us the Torah, there was already the potential for that. At that time, when Hashem nullified the decree, that made it possible for that to happen. At the moment, Hashem gave us the Torah, all we had was the higher worlds assigned to the lower worlds. And the other two events happened later. The idea of the world assigned to Hashem happened by King David. And the union of both, of the higher descending to the lower, and the lower ascending to the higher, uh, that will happen when Mashiach will come. But the preparation for Mashiach is through the Baal Shem Tev. The uh, Baal Shem Tev wrote in a letter to his brother-in-law, Rabbi Geshem Kittever, that he asked Mashiach, Mashiach will come. When will Mashiach come? Mashiach said, I'll come when your wellsprings will spread to the outside. So, so the, the revelation of Mashiach, which has both um, revelation from above to below and elevation of the world to Hashem that's something that the Baal Shem Tev made the preparation for us we'll see how he did that but just an interesting thing um, about the relationship between the um, Baal Shem Tev 
And this, this idea of the fusion of, of heaven and earth in these two ways, uh, the word Baal Shem Tev has, uh, has a relationship to this, to the coming of Mashiach, and to this fusion of these two kinds of revelation. Shem Tev's name is Yisrael. Yisrael, unlike Avram, was attributed as Chesed, and Yitzhak's attributed as Gvura. Uh, Yisrael, the third of the th- our three patriarchs, is associated with Teferis. Teferis is also um, what we have in mind. We see in, we're going to say in Davening soon, to you, Hashem, there is greatness and might, and Teferis and beauty. Beauty is associated with giving the Torah. The word, that's, so that's the first name of Hashem, which indicates the giving the Torah. Then there is Hashem's, the Hashem, the second name, which is Shem. Baal Shem Tev. Rabbi Yisrael Baal Shem Tev. What's Shem? Shem in general is associated with the Sira of Malchus, which Malchus is divine energy within creation. And it says in the Talmud, Hashem walked for 500 years to get a name. So that, without going too deeply into what that, that sentence means, the name of Hashem is Hashem's energy in creation about the world being elevated towards Hashem. So Shem means elevation of the world towards holiness. The Yisrael Baal Shem. What does Yisrael Baal Shem mean? That the reason why the world is elevated is not because of the world pulling itself up with its own effort, with its own energy, but the Yisrael Baal Shem. It's because of the great power of Yisrael. That means that there is the in Malchus, in the sphere of Hashem, which is, animates creation, there is something of toy, there's something of goodness, which is the light of Hashem that is, uh, that, that's beyond the energy of creation. Uh, it says about Meshavim also, Meshavim when he was born, it says he was good, the house was full of light. By Meshavim, his light was because of his neshama, but his body wasn't considered to be in the same level of holiness, and that's why his body needed to be buried. But Baal Shantav said about himself that he was able to go up to heaven without being buried. And said he could have gone up to heaven like El Yolnavi. Uh, why was he able to do that? It says about El Yolnavi. El Yolnavi, when his mother was pregnant with El Yolnavi, El Yolnavi's gestation period uh, was for 12 months. Meishmina's gestation period was seven months. Baal Shantav said he could have gone to heaven like El Yolnavi. He just went up with his body to heaven. So the reason why Baal Shem had that special virtue was because, unlike Meishe Benu's purpose, he had a very short gestation period. Meishe Benu's gestation period was seven months. Shana's gestation period was for 12, I'm sorry, El Yonavi's gestation period was for 12 months. Why? Because El Yonavi's mission in the world wasn't just about revealing the Shama, it was about the body being elevated. And that's why, that's why Yonavi wasn't buried, and Meishe Benu was buried. Baal he only chose to be buried because of, he, because he wanted to, um, if have the fulfillment of the Pasuk, it says, you want to, it says in Tintar, you, you come from dust, return to dust. But, but the reason why his body could have been elevated in that way was because his mission wasn't just about revealing light of Hashem like Moshe, it was about elevating the physical. Um, and in a way, the Baal Shem Tev is higher than El Yonavi because Shem Tev, which is the name of Baal Shem Tev, is higher than the purification of El Yonavi. Why? Because um, the purification, the body of the Yonav, Yichsist calls the, the Zichoch of Ban. I'm not going to get into exactly what differences between Ban and Ma, but the Baal Shem Tev says Shem Tev, that means that the light of, of, of Meish Rabbeinu, the light of the Neshama, 
was also in the body of the Baal Shem Tov. So, Gam Hashem by the Baal Shem Tov, even the level of the body, and the level of, of the physical, was also the same level as Ma, same level as the Nisham. Man Banner, okay, it's a big, 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 bigger subject. But either way, so the Baal Shem Tov, how did he do this? How did he cause this preparation of the coming of Mashiach? We see in his name this idea of the convergence of these two energies, but how did he accomplish this? So the Baal Shem Tov did two things. First of all, he took the Ten Commandments and he revealed the Ten Commandments in a way that was never revealed before. He revealed the secrets of the secrets in the Ten Commandments. He revealed something which is other, otherworldly. He, co- he brought to the world something that, that wasn't there before. He revealed these deep secrets of, the, secrets of the Torah that weren't there before. But he also revealed something else. There are ten utterances that Hashem made the world with. Let there be light, let there be a sky. So Hashem didn't just re- reveal deepest secrets of the Torah, he also revealed the ten utterances that animate all of creation. Baal Shem Tev revealed here that the world itself is godly. He taught about divine providence and everything that happens in a leaf blowing in the wind is by Hashem's hand. He taught how Hashem creates every creature every single moment. So unlike David HaMelech, who did this in a certain space in the world, that there was a space of revelation of Hashem in the base of Mikdash, Baal Shem Tev caused everyone to realize that the world, that the ten utterances that animate creation, they are constantly there in creation, keeping everything, into exist, everything in existence. So it wasn't that the Baal just brought something to the world that was otherworldly, revealing the secrets of the Torah. He revealed the world itself. He revealed how the world itself is Hashem's holiness. And how did he reveal this? What, what was the Baal method in showing us the, the truth of the world? He didn't do this um, from the from just from the world itself by telling us that the true existence of a cup is from the energy of Hashem that says that, that, that says Hashem's energy that makes it a cup. Baal brought a pasuk and Torah. It says in the Torah, the Torah says the Sfarim love this pasuk. They say this pasuk like 150 times in Rosh Hashanah. Right. So what does this pasuk mean? Hashem, your words are forever in the heavens. So Baal Shantav said, what, are the, what, are, what does that possibly mean? That the word of Hashem that says, let there be a sky, it's constantly recreating the sky every moment. Every moment God is commanding again that there should be a sky, and if for a moment God's energy would not be in the sky, it wouldn't be there. So the way the Baal Shem revealed Hashem's truth was through a Torah. So Torah is about Hashem's revelation from above to below. And the Baal Shem revealed in the world how the world itself is holy and how do you reveal the world itself is holy? Through Torah. How the world itself is godly. He revealed that through Torah. So just like Moshiach comes, what, what do you say is going to happen when Moshiach will come? There will be two virtues. First of all, there's going to be a revelation from above in a way that's amazing. Some, something which is otherworldly. Some, something which is above the world is going to come to the world. Something which is higher, the infinite light of Hashem is going to be revealed. But how is it going to be revealed? It's going to be revealed here in a very down-to-earth and natural way that, that it will be, be vivid to us. So the Baal Shem Tev, he made the, the step, the preparation for that to happen because Baal Shem Tev did two things that are very similar to those two events that happened when Mashiach will come. First of all, he revealed the secrets of the Torah. The secrets of the Torah which are other world, which are above the world. And second of all, not just he revealed something, something which is above the world, he also revealed how the world itself is godly. And how did he reveal the world itself is godly? Again, it was, it's through the Torah. That's, that's basically the, um, 
uh, one, 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 one more interesting point about this. <laughs> Why is it that on the holiday of Shavuos we have the passing of David, the passing of Baal Shem Tev, and they're not all, the Torah doesn't always just, does describe all these three events in the same place. The giving of the Torah is described in the Torah. Passing of David Amalek, it's said in the, in the Jewish law mentions it. But the passing of Al Shemtiv is something which is only known because of Jewish custom. So the reason why this was revealed through Jewish custom specifically is because there's something about Jewish customs which are higher than mitzvahs. Why? How's a custom higher than a mitzvah? Because, in short, Hashem tells you explicitly what He wants you to do. So it's coming from Hashem telling you to do it. You do because Hashem said to do it. Then there's something that you do on your own. It's because of you, because of, because of something within you. So that's the reason why there are Jewish customs, because a Jew and Hashem are one. And therefore Jewish people on their own, they know what Hashem wants them to do, and they do what Hashem wants them. So there's something, it's coming from, that's why the simcha on Sukkot, the greatest simcha is not on the holiday of Sukkot. It's not either when we dance on, throughout Simcha's Pesach Sheshe'eva. The greatest simcha, Simcha's Teira. Simcha's Teira is only a custom. It's a mitzvah to be happy the first night of Sukkot. Happiness is... Not so, not so full. When is it the perfect simcha of, of Sukkot on Simcha's Teirah? Why Simcha's Teirah? Because Simcha's Teirah is a simcha which comes from the essence of the Jew. It comes from within ourselves. It comes from the, the, not because Hashem told you to. So in a similar way, the Baal Shem Tev, his unique contribution to the Holy of Shavuos, which is about the preparation for Mashiach, is associated with Jewish customs are beyond the laws of the Teirah. It's beyond the laws of the Chachamim. It's something which comes... It, it, it's... In order to connect the higher world and lower worlds, as Mashiach will come, it's only the, the power of God's essence. And the power of God's essence, which is related, to, is, is, is related to Jewish customs. You see Hashem's essence more in Jewish customs than you see in, in mitzvahs. So that's why the Baal Shem Tev's passing was revealed by Jewish customs, not in the, not in the Torah, it's not in Shulchan Aruch, because it's in order to, to have the coming of Mashiach, what's the coming of Mashiach about? It's about the power of God's essence, which... Is beyond the parameters of, of, of the world, and that's why it's able to converge them both. And, and that is directly related to Jewish customs, which are also not, which are not limited to being in a certain uh, revelation of Hashem, uh, coming from on high. Rather, it's directly from God's essence. The main thing is that if you learn terrible Shem Tev, to share terrible Shem Tev, prepare for the coming of Mashiach, and uh, who is a descendant of Davin Amalek. Any questions or comments? All right. Chazak Baruch. Yeah. So not necessarily maybe something that caught my ear that I can't hear. What Hashem wants for 500 years to be Okay. It's a bigger subject than for today, but... Where is that? Where did I read it? It's in the Talmud. Okay. <laughs> it's in the Talmud in... Uh, where is it? Um... And I, I, don't, I, don't, it's, I think it's in Chagig. I don't know the source for it here right, right now. It's in the Gemara. All right. Shkayach. <laughs>